I just love this theme, man. I just, I, I can't get it out of my head. Keep it, keep it going under my, just keep it going under my voice. Welcome to the Detroit Lions PTSD Recovery Podcast, which, by the way, and, and I'm saying this right up front, is simply a phone call where I say to Dave, got a minute. And I need to say that because for my energy level, I had long COVID for two years. I can't over two years, so I, I can't push myself. I got to be me. And it's also who I am and what I coach. I'm an interpersonal coach. Dave, and I love Seinfeld and the idea of Seinfeld. And I love Richard Pryor. And Dave and I have talked about it. Love Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor had a very difficult life. His mom was a prostitute. His grandma ran the, the bordello where the mom worked. Richard Pryor saw some tough stuff in his life. He was not afraid to talk about it in his comedy. And so whenever, whenever you hear somebody saying Richard Pryor was the greatest comedian of all time, he was the bravest comedian of all time. And I admire him for that. And I admire Larry and Jerry in, of Seinfeld, which is widely considered the best sitcom of all time, uh, modeled after the Dick Van Dyke show, which had the same concept was, let's just show the truth. First thing is a housekeeping thing. I promised you there would be no editing of any kind. I had two kinds of edits in, in the previous episode. I had an episode, uh, an edit up front, which I think applied to the episode and was important. And then I had a couple of things I'm embarrassed about. And I said to myself, okay, I'll let you break your word once. But like I said to my son, the first time we ever uh, were housemates together, uh, living together, I said, uh, I'll never lie to you, even if it hurts your feelings. And if it does hurt your feelings, I want to know because I care about them. And I've kept my word to him and I'll keep my word to you. And if I break it, I'll let you know and we'll fix it up. So what I'm asking for permission for, because I want to be like Larry and Jerry, I want to be like Richie Pryor, uh, is the permission to edit only to make the show a little quicker if it needs to. But I'm not going to edit out anything I'm embarrassed about after after the gimme that I'm giving myself this, this last episode. And I'm going to edit the front stuff because Dave, Dave said he loved it. Correct, Dave? I did. I did. Okay. And then this is what I want to say about PTSD. It's stuff that comes back when you don't expect it. And it applies to the Lions. And we're going to get into the Lions. And there's a lot to be excited about. And I'm excited. And Dave's excited. But this is a very special kind of podcast, so I want to make it clear. For example, as I'm mi mixing this stuff, and guys, I'm just learning. I, I, I get, I like really. This is ex an example of it. I beat myself up when I talk about the mix because I know it's not very good. I'm learning. I'll figure it out, and eventually, hopefully, we will just pay someone to do it because I'm no expert, but I'm learning. Uh, so I listen to episode three, and I hear myself and the way I'm interacting with my family and I hear the voices in my head of my childhood. If, if I came out now, did it happen every time? No, but a lot, let's say a lot. Like Wesley came down. I would have had, what are you doing down here? It's, it's your bedtime. Get to bed. Or, uh, can't you see I'm making a podcast here? What are you doing? 
What's wrong with you? Now, I don't judge. The truth about me is I wouldn't talk that way to a dog. I really would. I Like, I really would not talk that way to a dog. I'd be kinder to a dog than that. So when, you, when a person's talked to like that or treated in a certain way, in a certain, for, for a prolonged period of time, or even for once, it can bring you to flashbacks. So why do I tell you all this? Because this Detroit Lions PTSD stuff is real. I told you about Matt Russell in the last episode. I, it, it, Heather ran in with amazing footage of these guys, these, these new guys that we drafted. Like, really exciting stuff. And Dave and I are going to get into it. Um, so she ran in with that. A lot of great quotes. Dave has those. Um, and then I, I, I do my own research. And this, this is going to be just a phone call between Dave and me once I get started. Because I, I, I look at drafts a different way. And he's been calling me for my, my, my particular stream. I'm not saying it's more valuable than anybody else's. But if you get value from it, great. Um, but I've been not really Googling other than kind of seeing the positions they picked, which, by the way, they pretty much filled every need, just not in the order we expected. But before I did that, and I'm going to take you through this real quick, I Googled some stuff about Matt Russell and some stuff about the Budkiss Award that I want to share. I just did it. I did not expect this. I said today, and I'm careful about the entertainment value of it. Like, this is real. I was, I'm the one who said, Dave, trust, the, trust me, trust these guys. But I can tell you, when they were one and six, I started to really question myself. When they lost to Carolina, I started to really question myself. In general, I kind of need the support of other people. Like, I need to see those A pluses. I need to believe that this is not just my perspective, that I'm not just hallucinating. I didn't need it after, after 3 and 13, but I got it. But in these off seasons, I think I need that reassurance. So we draft that Jack Campbell guy, Dave, and uh, I Googled Matt, Cam- uh, Matt Russell, and this guy's career is anything but cursed. He, uh, he's a scout, and he's you know, after his career was cut short with the Lions, he, he, there, you know, the quote I like for, and I, I hate that the word grooming takes on a, an icky context now, but what's the, uh, what's the quote I like from Broadcast News, Dave? You're being, you're being groomed for it all and you don't even know it. There you go. This guy has succeeded at, in Denver and prior to that, uh, Philadelphia, uh, New England Patriots, he is, he's in line to become a general manager like Holmes. So if we're fortunate enough to get this guy on here, certainly his career in total is uncursed. He's done very well for himself. I'm super happy for him. And his destiny was to be something other than a player. Um, the Butkus Award in general, I'm going to get to in a minute, but we did draft a second Butkus Award winner uh, two years after Matt Russell. I forgot about him. I didn't know he was a Butkus Award winner, but his name's Chris Claiborne. And on this, on this list of the 10 worst picks in 
the 10 worst first round selections by Detroit by the Detroit Lions since 1980. He's number nine. It says this. By the way, I looked him up on Twitter. I actually wrote him, I, and I and I also contacted Matt, uh, Matt Russell through the director of player relations or uh, PR for uh, for Philadelphia. If we're lucky to get enough and fortunate enough uh, to get them on the show, I'll talk to him about some of this stuff and and their experiences in Detroit and what the culture was like here, and hopefully they'll be honest with us. Chris Claiborne, it says the following, this particular article, the former linebacker wasn't a bad player, but not as good as the hype, but he uttered some of the most famous words in Lions history, quote, will defend the North goal, end quote, preceded the Lions embarrassing 2002 overtime loss to Chicago. The Lions won the coin flip, but gave the ball to the Bears with Claiborne's words which I'll talk to talk about in a minute because he's not responsible for it. The Lions never got the ball, and Claiborne's declaration is the signature moment of the Marty Morningweg era in Detroit. Now, Chris Claiborne was simply following orders, and he, and he I'm going to guess, to, to speak it that eloquently, will defend the North goal. He, he was trying to represent his coach in a very dignified and respectful way, when the coach made a blunder, and I'm I'm saying that as respectfully as I can, he he chose the win. It's it's the game we talked about in episode one, Dave. He 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 had to l- deliver that news into into the microphone and to the referee in the middle of the field. We'll defend the North goal after his coach said, "Kick off. We'll take the win." He's trying to say it in a dignified way. You follow me? I'm following you. Okay. Now. Maybe, maybe, and hopefully, Hughes doesn't go down this rabbit hole. But I'm a little creeped out. We got two Butkus Award winners. And the Butkus Award itself, Dave, the first, well, first winner of it is Brian Bosworth. Oh, no. No. And, the, and the, tell, tell the signature moment of Brian Bosworth's career, David. You you tell it you do it you I just can't even utter the word. Basically, you, you tell, you it's Monday it night it's mon, it's Monday night football, and this guy's been hyped. He's got those Terminator shades, and he 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 appears to think he's super cool, and he represents himself as a bad MF. And then it's Monday night football. You know he has that mohawk. He wears you know I think he was one of the first NFL players that sported the mohawk too. Right. He comes up against Bo Jackson. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll shortstop the story. If you, if you trust me, I Tarantino conversations a lot. I, I, I go somewhere else and then I, I bring it back. So if you trust me to Tarantino the, the conversation, I'll bring it back to this freeze frame moment between, of Brian Bosworth in this Monday night football game. Okay, it's a critical third down. It's maybe on the two-yard line. And Brian Bosworth is going up against Freeze. Bo Jackson. Oh, my God. This is the best. Oh, this is the best. Bo Jackson is the closest thing the sports world has ever had to Paul Bunyan. That is that is probably the most poetic way to put it. First of all, he's the first. I don't think the only because Deion Sanders did it. But but the first guy to uh, to play in the NFL and Major League Baseball at the same time. So he would have to miss a few games, uh, I think, for baseball, because I think his main career was uh, 
was football, Bo. So he played two sports at the absolute highest level. In fact, I think he's the only person to ever go to a Pro Bowl in the NFL and to an all-star game in Major League Baseball. Bo Jackson once ran down for the Kansas City Royals, which, by the way, the song Royals, oh boy, I'm going to have to Tarantino the crap out of this conversation. The song Royals by Lord is based on a, a, a photograph of George Brett of the Kansas City Royals uh, signing autographs. Google it. So, Bo Jackson. Okay. He once ran down a, a fly ball and his momentum, because he's a giant Paul Bunyan of a guy, and no steroids on this dude. He was just he was just one of those gigantic human beings. So his momentum is carrying him toward the outfield wall. And what does this guy do? He runs up the wall. He he catches the ball. He said runs up the wall, runs down the wall, runs back on the field. He ran up a wall. It was there were no special effects. Google it. I I. He said so many amazing things, I forgot that one. And also, on a very cool game called Tecmo Bowl, which they have uh, a, a, an app for called Retro Bowl, which I play almost nightly. It's very soothing. Amazing. I consider it the best video football game. I don't usually like video football. On Tecmo Bowl, the secret player to be is Bo Jackson. He, will, he can't be brought down. And it's much like the real Bo Jackson. He was just this ox. He was he was going to make you pay. And and so my son knows all about him because we played Tecmo Ball. I bought a, a hacked Nintendo thing, and uh, well, I don't. I hope it was legally hacked. I don't know, but I bought it off eBay, and it has that on there. So he knows Bo Jackson is going to score a bunch. Um. The, the other reason he stays alive in our house is because when I wrestle with my son, I say, don't Bo Jackson yourself. What does that mean? Don't Bo Jackson yourself. Don't Bo Jackson yourself means don't break a tackle by, by yanking at yourself so hard that you tear ligaments and tendons in your leg to the point where you have internal bleeding and almost die, but you break the tackle. You know what's so great about you know what was great about Bolt Jackson is like he believed he was unstoppable. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't just hype. He just believed it. He could run through. He could run through walls, run through people, pull his pull the ligaments out of his his leg. So you know, like he was everything that people thought he was going to be. I just want to. Repeat, this guy was such a Paul Bunyan, he he almost killed himself breaking free of a tackle. But he broke free. He broke free of that tackle. So I'd say to my son, don't Bo Jackson yourself. Okay, unfreeze frame. Brian Bosworth, this guy who's very hyped. I think that's the most respectful and accurate way to put it. He's been very hyped, and he's appeared to hype himself. And by the way, I've seen a documentary on the guy now. He seems super cool. And so if this is perceived as judgmental, there's a difference between judging and assessing. I think I'm assessing this accurately. I think he'd probably assess it the same way himself looking back. Seems like a super cool guy. At the time, seemed 
full of himself. Let's say it like that. Seemed full of himself. And I'm describing it accurately, not judgmentally. I didn't care for it, but it's it's accurate. His nickname was The Boss. So he already had this fancy nickname for himself. And here he comes, and it's third and two, and it's Monday Night Football, and the whole country is watching. So here comes here comes Brian Bosworth to stop the now, as we described, legendary Paul Bunyan-esque Bo Jackson. Now, Dave, do you want to take it, or do you want me to finish? You finish. You, 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 you're doing a great job. Bo Jackson runs into Brian Bosworth, and in this seminal moment, he rams Brian Bosworth, as you would expect of Paul Bunyan, back into the end zone for a touchdown. Bye-bye, Brian Bosworth. I think we all, in my house, we all jumped up together, and we just were like yelling to the top of our lungs how amazing Bo Jackson was. And I, I believe my dad yelled, that's it for Brian Bosworth. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. I thought, well, that, that guy's career is over. Yeah, that's a wrap. And my dad was like, my dad was like, um, you're going to see that on every poster, every commercial, every, you know, that, that was like a freeze frame. It was a freeze frame. And it, I still see it in this, in this moment because it's that moment. It's that moment did, where these two things are coming together. Did he, did he ever come back after that hit? Was, like, was he ever the same? Let's put it this way. Was he ever the same? I don't know if he ever was, like I said, super, super nice guy, it seems like. But honestly, I don't know if he, if he was good, as good of a, of a college player as, as a pro player. Like Chris Claiborne, like the, the first guy I mentioned who the Lions drafted, he, he, he should be or is in the USC Hall of Fame. He was, I was so excited when the Lions got him. He was outstanding. Standing in college, outstanding, one of the legendary college players of all time, but not not for the Lions. He wasn't a total bomb out, but he was just not what we were expecting. Okay, so Brian Bosworth, he played 12 games his first season, 10 his next, and two his last. So it wasn't long for him. But yeah, it was an interesting moment. It was it was an interesting moment. He it's fair to say that he bulldozed him in. Everybody's opinion shifted as that happened. Now I bring up opinions to let you know. Maybe you can already tell by where we, where we've gone. This podcast is about experiences, uh, uh, the experience of winning the championship, which is I what most of me believes is going to happen is different than winning or talking about winning or talking about you know what what player brought you the win. We're talking about what it's going to be like, the the feelings, the thoughts, the memories, the the release, and the PTSD. So that's what I'm going to tell you about. You heard last last uh, last time that uh, I didn't expect a Butkus Award winner. I ha- used to have a very superstitious mind, and I did not. I, I've worked hard on it. I've worked hard. I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm an interpersonal coach. I I don't believe in coaching unless you're applying these things to myself. So what's interesting is I'm not melting down, but I noticed I didn't want to draft. I didn't want to read about who they drafted until today, but I did want to look up the Butkus Award winner. So the Lions have had two. Matt Russell got injured in a very double injured in a very cruel, sad way. That's unfortunate for the Lions, certainly for, 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 uh, for Mr. Russell as well. 
Chris Claiborne, one of the legendary college football players, just he didn't pan out for the Lions. So that's kind of creepy. And the award, the first first two winners of the award were Brian Bosworth, who had a career that I would say it's fair to say didn't pan out, Dave. Would you agree? <laughs> no, it, it didn't. It didn't. Now, Dick Buckus, and it's but it's not I'm not be, I'm not joking. I'm just being clear. It's not B-U-T-T-K-I-S-S, which probably seems like a good name for the episodes. It's not Buttkiss. It's Buttkus. B-U-T-K-U-S, way before my time, I think. I don't know when he played, but it was before my time. Uh, and David's. And uh, he was a linebacker, I think, for Chicago, and he's famous. So they named it after him. I'm sure it's, there's no curse with him. But it's kind of creepy that Brian Bosworth won it. It's very unfortunate that Matt Russell got that double injury and, and, and couldn't play for the Lions. And Chris Claiborne didn't pan out. So there is a part of my brain that's being superstitious and I indulged it for the podcast so that I can say like, look at that. That's a PTSD response. Huh? Following the what if and the conspiracy theory esque idea of this, it, it affects different people in different ways. I had a, a next door neighbor and if he'd hear a helicopter, he'd duck. If we were having a polite conversation about lawns in the, in the front yard and he'd hear about a helicopter, he'd duck. He, he, he served in Vietnam. So that's that's a, a visual representation of PTSD. I was the one who told Dave, sold Dave on these guys. I did not think that my psyche would go here. I sold Dave on these guys. I'm like, follow me to victory. After this first round, I'm a little freaked out about this Butkus Award. So I hope Matt Russell and Chris Claiborne come on here and we can talk to them about the Butkus Award, about their experience of the Lions back then what they believe about the Lions now, and I hope they'll do it unadulterated and unfiltered. That's that. I'm ready to go into the Lions, Dave. Do we need to take a break? No, I think we can go like, first First of all, let's go. I got a, a pull quote from Holmes that just got me so riled up, man, I was ready to put on my jersey and just start playing for the Lions. He, you know, you and I were had this conversation back and forth after, after the draft, and we were like, who are these players? This is nothing that we were thinking that the Lions were going to draft. And all of a sudden, these players are like, you know, they're they're uh, uh, drafting these guys that I wasn't aware that we were even interested in drafting. But here's what Holmes wrote. We don't play scared and we don't draft scared. And I was ready to just go crazy. I'm back on the, the uh, Holmes train, man. I was now. I feel like I've, I've been bitten by a lion. Now, 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 months ago, just months <laughs> I'm ready. ago, dude, I'm just, ready. Just months ago, this guy had said to me, "Nope, I can't watch if they all they need is a first down to win the game." Tell, I said to him, "How about if? How about when they when all they have left is to kneel down?" Okay, yeah, then I'll watch. <laughs> and do, and do you hear how the, do you hear the way he's talking? This I'm guy's re- sold. I'm ready. This that we're. I just you know like if, if you even look at Coach uh, Campbell, he looks like he could strap on a pair of shoulder pads and, and go out and play right now. He looks like a stud. I think the Lions are. I think the Lions are adapting his his attitude. I think the GM is adapting the attitude, and I think we're going to be 
in for a ride. I, I'm 100% behind this team. Okay. So it sounds like Dave knows a lot of shit nowadays <laughs> that I that he didn't used to know. He it's a very everything's changing. <laughs> Worlds are colliding. I used I, to be the guy who educated David on everything, but now on this podcast, I have to be humbled because he he knows things that I don't necessarily well, know. Go, Dave. I, I, I call her. I, I call her uh, our executive. Uh, uh, producer Heather, but, uh, but she also doubles as uh, your 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 wife. She sent me some poll quotes, and I just I just love these quotes, man. Uh, I'm ready to watch this team go crazy. Okay, so let me take you through. This is exactly how I do it. If we're if we're a phone call, let me take you through the picks, and then let me take you through something that I do <clears throat> that is important to me. That may not be as important to everybody else, but it's another thing I look at that I most people don't look at, which is undrafted free agents. Okay, so we'll do that in, at, at, at the end. I'm just going to tell you, like, as I was going through this this Butkus thing and just laying there, I, I didn't really want to even Google the picks. I didn't want to see the C pluses. I saw a couple, and I, I had to move away. But I have a different perspective on it now. Like, I, I even talking about it, I get that screechy in my head. First of all, if you look at the positions that they filled, they filled everything they needed. It just wasn't in the order that we expected. And I'll, t- I'll tell you a, a perspective I have on that. Secondly, dang it, you were right. He's a kingmaker. He's he's <laughs> brash enough to say, I'm going to tell you who the player is. And you know what? I, I, I believe him now. I believe him. First of all, what if we reached for Brian Branch, who was supposed to go top 25? What if we reached for him as our 12th overall pick because we liked him? And, and then we picked Jameer Gibbs where we picked Brian Branch at 45. Okay, well, so let's, let me talk about Brian Branch as if he's our first, if, if he's the cornerback taken at 12. He was expected to go in the top 25 picks. A six-foot, 190-pound All-American who spends most of his time in the slot and could be biting the kneecaps of quarterbacks with blitzes from that post. So he's a tough player. Branch's 4.5840 time at the Combine might have cost him first-round status, but he might also be Detroit's best pick of this draft. Could eventually settle in his safety. Reaction? That's amazing. So pretend he's your 12th overall pick and his time cost him. Who does that remind you of? I don't know. know. How about Amon Ross St. Brown? Wow. Right? So maybe maybe he's the pick that we reach. So pretend he's your 12th overall pick. Well, that makes number 18 Jack Campbell. And, of course, it hurts that he says maybe the biggest surprise of the first round. And immediately when I go to Jack Campbell... My PTSD, curse, superstitious brain, and I recognize it's not who I am, is flashing back right now to Buckets Award winner Matt Russell. And now Chris Claiborne, because I've added that to my pool. So I'm going to work through this during this podcast. Maybe the biggest surprise is Campbell now. Maybe, and I see Iowa and I say TJ Hawkinson. I get afraid. Truly, this is what's happening to me. 
Campbell should be a three down backer. So maybe he's just what we need. Reaction. <laughs> go, man, go. Okay. So that that would make the the round two thirty four pick is Sam Laporta, and Heather brings this guy. It brings it brings me in footage. She brings me stuff. Like you said, she's kind of the executive producer, and she knows I'm just kind of laying there contemplating the whole the whole thing with Matt Russell. I, I don't even like talking about it. Isn't that weird? Because, and I know it's superstition, so it's okay to talk about it. It's how, how, how those dark things see the light of day and they dissolve. Sam Laporta, in this footage that Heather brings, brings me, is making moves. Not, not the, the fastest guy necessarily, but he's doing those shoulder shakes. And then he does another one. And then he does another one. Like he wants to be the receiver. And so what do they say about this guy? This is USA Today. Um, the Lions effectively replaced TJ Hawkinson, which, by the way, Hawkinson went to Iowa. But now we have two picks from Iowa. I'm starting to, like, soften to the whole thing. Whatever. We have to pick, <laughs> we have to pick people from a university. It happens to be Iowa. Um, I don't know who's going to go from the tight end room. I'll go back to that. All Big Ten last year, the 6'3", 245-pound Laporta doesn't score much, but had at least 50 receptions for at least 600 yards each of the past two seasons. Decent enough blocker. So he's the tight end, Dave. And we have uh, Shane Zilstra, who did fine last year. And I pro- he's probably the odd man out. That's my guess. We have Brock Wright, who caught the everybody looks right and he goes left past. And the We Believe in You pass. Remember the We Believe in You pass? I love, yeah, I love that. And James Mitchell. Now, James Mitchell, Dave, I th- now this is the old days. This is how I used to call Dave last year and try to get him involved. James Mitchell is a late-round guy, torn ACL. Yeah, that's that's uh, Brad, one of Brad Holmes's MOs. He's, he goes after guys that are injured, so he gets value picks. That's the, that still scares me. I, 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 that scares me so much that he will, he will go for the limping player. You know, I just, I just get so nervous. I get it. The only guy that's hurt him on, and I love you sharing your nervousness, the only guy it's hurt him on so far is, uh, is Levi. Levi Anwuzurike. Everybody else has healed. So James Mitchell healed. He, he missed his first few games, and he healed. And what I remember reading, now that doesn't mean how your how your potential will, will translate into into actuality, but what I remember reading was he would have gone much higher had he not been injured. So how much how much potential does he have? Is Mitchell the odd man out? I think it's Zilstra. Zilstra. I think it's Zilstra. So I think your your tight end room now, if you, if you go that high with the guy, is going to be uh, is is going to be Laporta. It's going to be Brock Wright, and it's going to be James Mitchell. And I think Shane, Shane Zilstra is, is the odd man out. And then we would technically switch the the the, the uh, Brian Branch carry. Was, we say we reached for him, and we go to Jameer Gibbs. When I saw him run, and then Heather brought me another video of him, uh, man, that guy's got some interesting moves. He's not scared rabbit fast like – like Barry Sanders, he's convincing, convincingly undulating. Like he just kind of moves this way. And if your body's not positioned to move that way, you're just going to miss. How would you compare him and Swift? Swift is more in the Barry Sanders mode. Swift is like, 
I'm going to actually make you not able to tackle me. And as you see, that plays out in the game. He apparently doesn't like to be tackled, so he's actualizing that in the way he runs. Gibbs is more shifty. You think he's going this way, and he moves that way. It's very, like, dance feverish. (laughs) It's interesting. I like the dude. But imagine we got him at 45. Well, now – there's a much bigger reason to be excited. If we started with a cornerback, okay, that's what he considered they needed. So flip-flop those. Now we're getting everybody we need. Agreed? Sounds like it. Okay, except for Campbell. And the Buckus Award starts to fade when I get into this. Round three, Hendon Hooker, the guy they, they talked to before the draft. Now listen to what USA Today says about him. Because I like this. He's he. You know how Brad Holmes gets value, injury. Hendon Hooker, quarterback, Tennessee, juicy pick for Detroit, which is quarterback Jared Goff, under contract for two more years. Now I don't know how Jared feels today about this. Maybe he's super uncomfortable because there's a guy. But I mean, he's terrific. He, he had an amazing season. He's playing the way he plays. We're no we're in no hurry to start Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I think he understands. I think he understands where the Lions are coming from. That they need someone as a backup yeah and if nothing else he's a negotiating tactic for the lions so they get a fair price if they re-sign jared so hooker was on a he gets value picks right listen to this hooker was on a heisman track last season just shy of 70 percent completion rate over three thousand yards 27 touchdowns to two interceptions in 2022 before suffering an acl tear late this season We got him in the third round. His age, 25, isn't ideal, but it does help explain his renowned maturity and leadership. Hmm. And a redshirt year might be good for his knee and transition from the volunteer's office to a pro style. This this is great. You're doing, like you said, you're doing exactly what you did before the, the season started last year. You're taking me through all the players. Now it's time. And you remember our conversation? I was like, you're going to have to take me through this draft with all the picks, you know, and that's what you're doing now. You're, you're going through each player. Go. Right. And before I go on, Dave, you're, you're my witness. Do I do this every year with you? Like, have I, prior to last season, did, did I call you every year? No. When we used to work together, what did I do on the walls at Mars Advertising? Do you remember in the mat room? Uh, did... I used to put up pictures of like Scott Mitchell with the cowardly lion. The cowardly his... lion, yes. <laughs> I had a I had a wall of shame. So I had become that kind of Lions fan. You're my witness. Do you remember it now? Now that I, I do, recall, I do, I do. So I stopped after 2000. I stopped watching the Lions, and I've never watched them the same since, except for last year. So the last time we talked Lions to any significant length before last season, before I called you with this, was when. Before last season? Before last season. I don't think I don't remember you calling me. Okay, right. So I just want to make sure these people don't think I'm calling you every year saying lines are gonna be good, lines are gonna be good. No, I'm you're not that guy. No, you're not a homer at all. You would you would say you would tell me exactly like like it is, you know. I followed this team from an organizational perspective. I respected what Mrs. Ford did when her husband passed over. I respected what Sheila did when when she let that gentleman relieve that gentleman of his, of duties for which he was not capable. That's the most respectful way to say it. And uh, 
And then the team that they assembled, the consultant team of, of Dorsey and Spielman, culture consultant, and they started picking guys like Spielman, sometimes undersized guys, sometimes overlooked guys, guys with injuries, who play so hard that it doesn't matter what their body's like. They're going to let you know they're on the field. So here we are. Here we are with guys I can get excited about. I did not, I do not, I'm not a guy who calls David every year and says this is the year. I said, do you want in? And my words were, do, do you want to get on the bandwagon now, last year? This was before last season. That's right. Before everybody else gets on the bandwagon. Is that what I said? That's exactly what you said. You're my witness. Okay. So we talked about Hendon Hooker, who was the guy they talked to. He was arguably the best quarterback in college last year before he got hurt. We got him in the third round. Next, the defensive tackle. Now, Isaiah Bugs was a reclamation project. Worked out great. Arguably a starter. Fantastic. Got player of the week, as I, as I recall, defensive player of the week. Uh, Benito, Benito Jones, they picked him off, off waivers last year. Showed some promise. What he's really looking besides besides Lee McNeil, it looks like because he didn't he waited till ninety six third round. He's just looking for run stuffers that he can coach up. Okay, so here's who we got in round three, ninety six overall pick for the defensive line, which is what we all thought he might go after first. But we he didn't touch Jalen Carter, and in my from my perspective, rightfully so. I don't know all the details. It would be hard to imagine myself, unless I were under some some sort of duress, to leave the scene of an accident that resulted in the deaths of two people. That I, it's hard to imagine me doing that. I, I I couldn't draft a guy who left the scene of an accident. I don't know all the details, but unless he explained it to me, I totally agree. It's a yeah. character. It's a character flaw. Yeah, yeah. So we so we. I'm glad we passed. And it looks like we took a prospect there. But a guy, they have shown the ability, Bugs, they, they got him and immediately coached him up. And he immediately made an impact. I really like his energy. He makes a difference in the locker room. Well, this Broderick Martin, uh, Martin sounds giant, 6'5", 337. And again, who adds some serious power and gap control to a defense that ranked last in the NFL. Serious power and gap control. Now, this is a time when every uh, every fan, fan is short for fanatic, every fan is excited about their team this time of the year. I get that. But in Detroit, we've got a guy who picks. We've got a guy who's brave enough to say we don't – and I get really scared and have the Matt Russell reaction as I say this. He strode to the podium. I'm having it again. He strode to the podium. <laughs> I'm having it again. He strode to the podium. In his Dan Campbell thing, I'm pushing through the reaction. And he said, we don't draft scared, we don't play scared. Oh, my God. That's that's the quote of the day. And then Dave said, Kingmaker, and that's the quote of the day. I think he decided who would go where. And I, he did say, and I love how, how, how honest he is. He has candor. I love that. He did say, no, the guy we wanted was gone. Or he might have even said the guys we wanted were gone by the time they got to 12. Because I, I do believe they wanted Devin Witherspoon. I do. So what? They got a guy who was supposed to be a top 25 pick. I shouldn't say so what. I really am excited about Devin Witherspoon. I wish him a wonderful pro career. I really do. I wish he could have been a Lion. So, but sounds like we've filled a lot of needs. On we go. 
I love it. I love it. Let's go. Let's go, team. Uh, we got an offensive tackle. Let's hope he's got upside because, again, this guy has nailed later rounds. Do you think teams will draft a player for special teams? Or do you think they, they are like, likely this guy is going to be one of, on, of our, on one of our special teams? Do you think they, they actually do that in the draft room? Well, I think you hope your players are going to develop, but I yes. can tell you, I could, yeah, but I can tell you that Brad Holmes said last year all that they were hoping for from Rodriguez was special teams. Do you think like a, a player could? Um, do you think a player could be uh, shine as a special teams player and be thought of as a guy? This is the wrong word, but be a, a, a special team starter. Period. I think C.J. Moore was that guy. I mean, we didn't use it. He he was our he was our special teams. They call him Gunners. And Gunner, yeah, Gunners. you know, I, I know that eventually it's going to be flag football. That's my that's my prediction. I I, I predicted self driving. Don't say cars. that. Don't I predicted say that. Self driving cars. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, um, why do I look at? The undrafted free free agent signings, why do I find them interesting? These are guys off the street, and they now, like I described the other day when you you were saying all these guys are going to be millionaires, this is the other side of the story. This is the hard knock side of the story. These are most of the guys that are on hard knocks, the guys that may or may not make the roster. Six or seven round picks, and these guys. And the guys I watch are the guys that get the bonus. Obina Eze was one of them last year. <clears throat> so I'm going to read three of them got bonuses. Let me explain guaranteed money. You're allowed to give undrafted free agent signings guaranteed money. Well, these are guys off the street fighting for a job. If you want them to come to your team more than the other teams, you'll give them money guaranteed money. Cause they, cause they know they're trying, they're like giving up a chance at another squad. Muhammad Ibrahim, even though we drafted Jameer Gibbs is a running back. Let me read you what it says about him. Good backup with the potential develop to develop into a starter. Let me read that again. Undrafted free agent. Before the draft, good backup with the potential develop into a starter. <laughs> Set the Minnesota career rushing yardage record and rushing touchdown records. Okay? Now, I want to point out to you two things, Dave. Human being to human being. One, this guy will be fighting for a job. That good, and he's fighting for a job. But also, that good. <laughs> also that good right right so uh craig reynolds seems like a lovely fella i i really root for him and i liked him beat, too yeah yeah so if he beats ibrahim out then he does but ibrahim sounds very exciting next guy they gave money to was chase cota wide receiver from oregon gave him eighty thousand dollars plenty of experience he was there for four years cota has a lot to this is from draft network Coda has a lot to like as a successful X receiver. He's good with the ball in his hands and runs hard, breaking tackles and fighting for extra yards. Coda is tough as nails and is an excellent blocker. I expect him to be a very good special teams player. There he is as a kick coverage guy at the next level. So don't you think they look at this guy as a, as, as a replacement for CJ Moore, who maybe if he's, if he's good, as good as they think, meaning talented, meaning skillful, that, that they'll develop him as a wide receiver. Doesn't that sound like a guy they can do that for? Absolutely. But if he's a special teams ace, let's call it that, then he's a special teams ace. Great. And the last person that they gave money to is uh, Durden, Corey Durden from NC State. 
could he have found diamonds in the rough? I mean, that's what, that's what I mean. I, I'm really excited. I'm starting. I trust this guy. You know, I trust his his eye. I trust him doing his homework. A stout anchor against the run and single blocks won't move him out of his run fit. So we got two interior defensive linemen that are either developmental or rotational. That and they're really looking for guys who could just plug it up in the middle. So maybe these guys are what we were looking for. And maybe, as I, I take you back, maybe as I laughed at David's, David's comment, and as I say Matt Russell in my head, I truly do, maybe he is a kingmaker. <laughs> maybe we can go back to that fantasy we had as kids and it's, you know, Jameer Gibbs goes left. Uh, uh, Hooker fades back. Oh, he unloads a, a deep, deep ball. To uh, Jamison Williams, well, not in the next six games, but maybe there's a lot to be excited about. Like I was telling you, I have a little doubt still. I'm working my way through. Hey, hopefully Matt Russell will help me with this, and hopefully Chris Claiborne will help me with this. But I was the guy who sold you on these guys. I was the guy who predicted this. I think juggle the order a little bit, and this guy is just what you said, Dave. He's a kingmaker. You know, I was just thinking to myself the other day, he knows, like he he's intimate with this team. Like he knows those guys. He knows what the that what we need, and I think we just need to trust him a little bit more. Okay, so as the person who rakes his leaves or Moses lawn, and I mean this seriously, as the person who has done that instead of watch the game, do you feel like you will be able to watch games this season? I, I have to wait. I, I still, I need. I'm going to say to you what I always say. Uh, I need to watch. I'll be able to tell the first possession how this team is playing. Playing. I, I not yet. I just need to see more. <laughs> so you're, you're still nervous. Still can you nervous. Say, can you say more about your inner world? What are your doubts? I just, I don't know what they are really. I just. It just feels. I just want to. I just want to see more. And they were consistent. I just want to see. I want to look at this team, and watch this team, and feel like this is a game. This is a game we should win, and we're going to win. I think that's it. I just want to. I want to look at them and feel it. And I don't feel it yet. I still have nervousness. I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll know. I'll know it when I see it. Name a team you name a team you've believed in ever. Uh, the Tigers. Like there, there was a street. Like when I, I mean, I watched the Tigers, and they would go out on the field. Even in the, even in the uh, like eighth inning that they were behind, I was like, they could still pull this out. Like I believe this team could pull this out, and a lot of times they did. What era are we talking about? Oh, this is this must be about what. 15 years ago. <laughs> okay, so that 2006 with, with Jim Leland as the as, as the manager. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So that so you can recognize a team you can believe in. Sure. Okay. And you've been watching the games after the season. What do you see when you watch because I know it's it's safer, right? It's safer when they're taped. You know you're going to watch something you can handle. What right? Is that is that the reason you you're watching them now like you want to see them but you know you can handle it cuz oh. you know what the final score is. Oh, for sure. For sure. 
and I made that up, but I guess right. Okay, so so what are you seeing in the team you're you're watching? I, I see a team that looks superior. They have a superior product this past year. They looked stronger. I would watch them. I'd watch that offensive line just move the defense back five yards. I, you know, it was just like an amazing thing to see the transformation of that offense. It looked powerful. I, I think that's it too. I, I think the offense I was, maybe I was fine with the offense, but it was the defense that I was nervous about, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just making all of that up. I just need to, I just need some consistency, consistency and winning that, that, that first a few games just wrecked me. I was like, this team was supposed to be a winner, and they just did not show me that. And I think that set me off. I think that triggered me. That's helpful. Now, see, I think we should do – Dave was talking about doing segments, and we're going to have them uh, soon. That should be one of them, Dave. It should be what are your doubts, what are your triggers, right? We're, we're trying to help this Lions PTSD. Be on the show. What are your doubts? What are your triggers? What are your doubts? What are your triggers? Let's talk about it because we're trying to believe in this team. We're trying to have a full experience of the Lions on their way up, of this guy being kingmaker. I'll tell you a funny story. This is how much pain Dave was in. I call him. I don't remember what game it was, but Dave, do you remember this? I call. I, I called you because we talk, like I told these guys, we talk a lot during the game. I called you and I said, Dave, there's two minutes left. We're, we're up by 18 points, I think it was, something like it was. I know it was more than two scores. And you go, do you remember what you said? No, I don't. You said, Marshall, that offensive coordinator on the other side, <laughs> he's got ideas. He's got ideas. I'm like, Dave, there's not a 19-point play. There's not a so this is how afraid this guy is. Like, you know, he's laughing. He's a cheerful gentleman. That's just how he is, David. He, he hurts from this team. We know you hurt too. So what are your doubts? What are your triggers? But I think this guy is a kingmaker. I think he absolutely hit a home run when I juggle this stuff around. And regardless of whether he hit a home run or not, and regardless of what my opinion of football is or not, and regardless of the PTSD that's going off as I say this comment, I trust Brad Holmes. So on that, David, is there anything you'd like to add? Root for the team in blue. Root for the team in blue. Ah. Open up your mind. Open up your mind.